This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Going forward, we're going to provide note paper for you to take notes during the messages, and we're going to leave these uh, pieces of paper outside outside of the main doors on your way in. So if you want to be able to take notes, you can grab those pieces of paper, and there's pens there, and there's also pens in the seat pocket in front of you. Now, if you weren't here or you forgot because we're doing it new, um, if you want a piece of note paper this morning, the ushers actually have some. If you just lift your hand up real high, you can grab one of these. They will pass you one down the rows. And as we uh, made mention last week, you know, you won't be tested on this material by me, maybe in life at some point. Um, but, it, you know, if, you, if you're the type of person who's a little bit of a perfectionist, not that I would know about perfectionists, I might be married to one. You, you don't have to write everything down, I say, um, that you can just write a few things down as, as God is speaking to your heart or maybe a verse of scripture that really ministers to you, you want to write that down and then maybe uh, so you can look at it later in the day or later in the week or maybe read the whole chapter. So this is just to be a help for you to take notes during messages. All right, let's turn in our Bibles this morning to 3 John. There's only one chapter in 3 John. And we started a brand new series last week uh, to start out the year called Soul Surrender. And really, this idea of surrender or submitting or yielding is not necessarily the, po- the most popular idea within our culture and within our world today uh, to be able to yield or to submit to somebody. Um, a lot of times we're just very uh, enamored with our rights and things that we want to do. We want to do things when we want to do it and how we want to do it. If, even if we see a yield sign on the road, we'll take it under advisement. Just because you're showing me your triangle, I don't necessarily want to yield to somebody else. And life is kind of like this. We don't necessarily want to submit or to surrender. Um, but as we look at the word of God, God actually wants us to surrender to him, to give our lives to him. And once again, once we know who he is and we have a revelation of who God is through Jesus, it's actually not that hard to surrender to God. And so in this series, we're going to look at some very specific ways that God wants us to surrender to him and then how those things outwork practically in our lives. So let's start here in third John. So the one chapter in third John verse two says this, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So John is writing to the church and he's saying, hey, he wants them to be in good health and he wants things to go, uh, things to go well in their lives, but it's going to start with their soul. It's going to start with the inside of you, not just necessarily something on the outside or something external, but something on the inside of you. Now the word soul in the scripture in the New Testament is defined this way. It's the seat of the feelings, desires, and affections and the seat sort of just the center of who you are that as as we go forward in life that we want things and the scripture says that things should go well with us but it's going to start with our soul matthew chapter 10 verse 39 jesus is speaking and he says this if you cling to your life you will lose it but if you give up your life for me you will find it now this word that's translated here life is the same word, the same Greek word in Third John that's translated soul. That word is translated life and it's also translated soul. So Jesus is telling us if we give up our lives or if we give up our souls, 
Or if we try to hold on to it, he starts out by saying, we're actually going to lose it. If we actually don't surrender our lives to God, the creator, the one who's given us life, the one who's given us abilities and talents, we're actually going to lose our lives. But if we surrender our lives to him, if we give up who we are, the seat of our affections and our feelings and our desires to him, we will actually find life how it was intended to be lived and what God has for me specifically in my life for the purposes for me. That I just wouldn't think, oh, I'm, I'm going to hold this back from God. I'm going to give this part of my life to God, but I'm going to keep this part to myself. Or I'm going to give this section of my life to God, but I'm going to just hold the rest just for my own decision-making purposes. I'm going to keep God out of there, but I'm not going to surrender that part. No, Jesus says if we cling to it, we're going to lose it. And so he wants us to surrender all of our lives to him. So last week we talked about this idea of, of surrendering our life to God's voice. So surrendering to God's voice, we talked about last week, is surrendering to wisdom. So if you missed that message, uh, you can catch up on our church podcast or through our church app online anytime uh, to catch up to what we talked about last week. But this week, we are going to talk about worship, that God actually wants us to surrender our worship to him. And our, actually, our worship team is going to come back at the end of the service and help us uh, with one more song. So this idea of worship... Um, is something that everybody does. Everybody worships. Even people that don't go to church, that aren't interested in church, who maybe have never been to a worship service their whole life, everybody worships. Everybody is giving their affection and their love to something or someone. Everybody worships, but not everybody is worshiping God. And what we would see in the scripture that God is desiring for us to worship him, to magnify him, to, uh, to give our praise to him, not to any person, not to anything, to him. Now, is it because God is a narcissist or maybe he's uh, maybe struggling with his self-image and he's up there in heaven, he's kind of feeling bad about himself, he's not sure that he likes the Milky Way that he created, so he needs all of us to tell him how amazing he is. No, that's not the purpose of our worship that we would see in this scripture. But God is actually desiring, like we said there, Jesus said, he's not asking for some low level of commitment. He's actually wanting us to give all of our lives to him. And one of the areas that he's asking of us that we would worship him, give all of the center of our affection to him. Because there's so many different things to give our affection to. There's things, actual things. And there's people that we can give sometimes um, worship to people. We don't necessarily intend to do that. But if we, if we aren't giving our worship to God, we can give our worship the ultimate seat of our affection to people. You know, you know us guys, we, we like attention. Any guys out there know what I'm talking about? We like attention. We like people to give us attention. And as good as we are and as talented as we are, and, uh, you know, we desire to, for, to be loved, and God says that we should be loved. We need to be loved, people. Ladies, we need to be loved. As amazing as we are, we don't deserve to be worshipped. Only the Creator deserves to be worshipped. And ladies, as amazing as you are, as wonderful and beautiful as you are, and this potential that God has put on the inside of you, that you can actually create other human beings. With a little bit of help from us guys. But you can create other human beings inside of your body. That's amazing. 
but you didn't give yourself that talent and ability. God gave you that ability. You deserve to be loved. You deserve affection, but you don't deserve worship. Worship is reserved for God. You know, I went to the hockey game this week. My dad and I were given some hockey tickets and we got to go down there. I haven't been to a Leaf game for quite a while. And, you know, I watch a lot of sports and it's a little bit different when you go to the game. Um, when, when you go to the game, you realize there's worship happening in this room. People are loving these guys. Like people are against the glass during warm-ups and like slamming the glass to try to get attention from some 20-year-old kid who can play hockey really well. Why? Because they worship them. And this whole thing is just all about excitement and all about worship. But God reserves worship for himself and for himself alone. He's actually the only one who deserves that center of our heart. The ultimate affection of our soul belongs to God. And there's so many things, once again, that the enemy wants us to give our affection to. So many different choices in life. And we see this in the life of Jesus. When the enemy, when the devil showed up to tempt Jesus, this is one of the areas that he was tempting Jesus with to worship him. Let's read about it here in Luke chapter 4, verse 5. It says, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all of this authority and their glory. It has been delivered to me, and I will give it to you to whom I will. If you then, he's talking to Jesus, will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. See, this temptation came to Jesus, and this temptation comes to all of us. That we would worship. And see, the enemy doesn't care, and ultimately, you know, no one's going to be thinking, you know, I'm going to be a devil worshiper. No one's necessarily going to do that. Well, there's some people that do that. But, you know, the enemy doesn't care what you worship or who you worship as long as it's not God. Wants us to get distracted. Wants us to give our love and our affection to everything else except God. But Jesus didn't fall for it. He said the only thing that we should worship, the only who we should worship is God. And the same needs to be true for us. Now, the whole first part of our service here at the church, every week, we start with worship. And if you ever wanted to give me a gift as a pastor, if you just show up at time, on time, we start at 9 and 11 every Sunday. It's amazing. And really great things happen in the 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes when you're not here. That whole first part of the service is amazing. And I would just love if you came and you worshipped with us from beginning to end of the worship service. And the, per- the reason we put worship at the beginning of our service is because that's why we're here as a community. We're here as a community to lift up the name of Jesus, to lift up God, not to lift up ourselves. But to always point people to God. So I would love. Just like you're on time for the movies... Listen, I'm not condemning anybody right now. Okay, I'm just having a little fun in church. Just like you're on time for the movies because you don't want to miss the beginning of the movie, right? And it's a lot like the movies here. You come up and it's dark. You're like, I can't find a seat. I don't know where to go. They're going to put me up at the front. If I come late, hey, just come on time. But I love you regardless, all right? 
come and worship with us the whole service. It's amazing. And we choose songs so that you can connect with God and you can remember and realize how amazing God is. And to sing about Him and to magnify Him and to think about Him. And this is why we do this whole first part of our service. We designate it specific to worship, singing to God. Such a wonderful thing to do. And then something special happens when we all get together to sing. I know a lot of times I'm here uh, for worship practice and I sit at the back of the room by myself and I'm singing with the team. But it's more special when all of you are here and we're all singing together. And collectively, we lift up the name of Jesus. Now, worship is not just relegated to Sunday morning. Not just relegated to the first part of our service. And it's not just relegated to singing. That God actually wants to, us to worship with the totality of our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God... To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That we would present our bodies to God as worship, our lives. See, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, what they would do is they would present animals. You know, they would to atone for their sins. So they would go to the temple and they would bring an animal and the animal would be their worship. It wasn't necessarily anything they had to do with their lives. They didn't necessarily have to change how they lived. They'd know in the day of atonement, I'll just bring an animal and to sacrifice the animal, to kill the animal. My, my wife would really struggle if she had to live in the Old Testament. Let me tell you, she's got to take your favorite animal, love, your best animal. We'd have to take our dog. I've lost her now. (laughs) And sacrifice. But hey, in the New Testament, we're bringing ourselves. We're bringing our whole life, our whole body. And what are we doing? We're worshiping with our lives. Our whole life worships God. Matthew chapter 25, there's the parable of the talents and how God distributes to people talents. And then uh, we would see how they would use those talents And then God would show up at the end, the illustration is, and said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In other words, God expects us to do something with what he's given to us. And when we do those things, we do good things with what God has given to us, we worship God. God has given you abilities and talents, and he's given you responsibilities. And when we do those things well, we worship God. Parents. God has blessed you with children. You have a responsibility to raise your children. And when you parent well, you worship God. When you're up in the middle of the night, moms and dads, consoling a child that just won't stop crying. No one has else there to see it. No songs necessarily are being sung. But when you parent well, you worship God. And this applies to every area of of life. God has given you something. And when we honor God with what we do, we worship him. We give him glory. We honor him with our lives, not just relegated to Sunday morning, not just relegated to when we sing, that we worship God with our lives. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all 
things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Referencing Jesus as the creator. God the creator. That all things hold together in God. That God holds the whole thing together, including you. And then we read there in verse 16, all things were created through him and for him. You were created for God. And when we realize that, and when we submit all of who we are to God, we worship him. We honor him with everything we say and everything we do and everything we accomplish. Why? Because he holds it all together. And I am actually created for him. But he's not going to force me to do anything. He's waiting for me to surrender to his will. Surrender to his goodness. Surrender to his love. And realize that I was created for him. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That first phrase there said, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. And as we just referenced a minute ago in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the priest would work at the temple and you would bring your animal, your prize animal, to the priest, and he would worship God on your behalf. But here in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, all of us are priests. All of us have been made priests. For those of you that grew up Catholic, you never thought you'd qualify, but you made it. A royal priesthood. In other words, we all worship God. There isn't anybody that can do worship on behalf of me. This is what we say every Sunday. The worship team isn't here for your entertainment. They're here to lead you in worship. Don't show up on Sunday morning and be like, hey, you know, they sing way better than me anyway. I'm just going to stand here and watch. No, they're not singing on behalf of you. They're leading so that you will sing along with them. That you will worship God with them. Why? Because you are a priest. And you are responsible for your own worship to God. Because Jesus has been the ultimate sacrifice. We don't need to sacrifice our animals anymore, babe. It's good news. The dog is safe. And so what are we doing, though? We're, we're giving our lives. We're giving all of who we are. We're worshiping God, honoring God. So I encourage you on a Sunday morning, don't watch. Sing along with the team. Worship along with the team. Magnify God along with the team. Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to skip one verse. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 says, Through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. A sacrifice of praise. In other words, I'm going to use some of the words that I say, the intentions of my heart, the affection of my life, and I'm going to speak those words to God because I can talk a lot. We can talk a lot and generally we talk about ourselves and the things that we like and our opinions. But here what the scripture is saying that we would give a sacrifice of praise that I'm going to sacrifice some of the words that I would say about myself, some of my own opinions, 
then I'm going to put that aside. Then I'm going to use what I say to give thanks to God. A sacrifice of praise, the fruit of my lips, giving thanks. That I would slow down. And not instead of just talking about myself all of the time. And my thoughts. And what I've learned and what I know to stop. And you know what? God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to sacrifice this time. That's what a sacrifice means. I could have used this time for something else. But I'm going to sacrifice it to God. I'm going to give this to God. And what does God want from us? He wants our heart. He wants our soul. He wants our lives. That we would just give it all to him. Not just what I want, but that we would sacrifice for God. Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Now, everybody should sing. Not everybody should record. But everybody should sing. Not everybody should sing in the microphones here at church. I've heard some of you, and I'm, I'm with you. I shouldn't be singing in any of the microphones anywhere. And this is one of the reasons why we have our music nice and loud. is so that we don't necessarily have to hear everybody in the room. It could, and you don't have to hear me, because then it could become a distraction. See, our team is up here, and they're singing great melodies and great harmonies. And then for the rest of us that shouldn't be singing in the microphone, there's the next phrase, let us make a joyful noise. That's us. But either way, whether you're singing good or you're singing bad, all of us should be singing. Not letting someone else sing for me that all of us are going to be singing, making a joyful night, singing unto the Lord. See, something special happens when we sing. You know, if you ever, if you ever take the lyrics of a song and you say them, it might be nice poetry. But when you take those lyrics and you sing it. It takes on a whole different attitude. There's a whole different thing that just emotions rise up and, you know, all these different things. And this is what God wants us to do to him. He wants us to sing to him, to worship him. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving and let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods in his hands are the depths of the earth. In the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his, his hands formed the dry land. And once again, we worship the creator and the creator only. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the, and the sheep of his hand. See, when we sing, when we sing worship to God, we are reminded of who God is. And then we're reminded of who we are, that we are his, that he loves his sheep. He loves his people. And we sing about God. We think about him. And then we also remember how powerful and how amazing he is, that he is a maker. He made this and he made this. He made everything. We're reminded about how powerful he is. And see, this is one of the great benefits of worship. When we run into circumstances sometimes and, and something hits our life, something comes our way. And in that very first moment, that thing looks so big. It looks so insurmountable. How am I going to cross this mountain? How am I going to get through this situation? 
But when we start to worship, we magnify God and remember, remember how amazing God is, how powerful he is, that he's our maker, that he's our savior. And then we start to worship him and lift him up. And we remember that God is bigger than my problems. That God is bigger than any situation that I could come up against, than anything that could come up in my life. Why? Because he's the maker and he is the savior. And worship helps us to get our attention and our focus and our affection on the right thing. Which is not the temporary trial. Which is not the temporary affliction. Because why? It's temporary. But God never changes. He's still the Savior. He's still powerful. So when we worship, we remember who he is and who he says we are and what he's done for us in Christ. And worship can change our whole attitude. And this is why I would say, you know, if you run into something on a Wednesday, don't wait till Sunday to worship God. Start that day. Find your favorite worship song. Play it as loud as you can in your car. Sing it from the top of your lungs, full passion. And then when you get to the stoplight, just stand normal. And then when you take off again, go lift your hands, worship God. (laughs) Sing at the top of your lungs. Why? Because we remember who God is. And this is why God wants us to worship him. That we remember who he is. And we remember that he's bigger than this. That he's more powerful than this. He's more powerful than this situation. And when I sing and I worship God, I'm reminded of that fact. God's not a narcissist. God's not, doesn't have self-image problems. He's powerful and he wants us to remember in his presence. See, his presence is everywhere all of the time. But when we start to worship, oh, We get in contact with his presence again. We sense his presence again. We remember who he is. It's not that his presence ever leaves us or forsakes us. But worship gets us in contact with it. We sense it. We know him. And then the soul of us starts to change. The seat of our life. The seat of our affections. Our outlook has changed. Why? Because I worship God. And I remember that he is more mighty than this. Acts chapter 13 verse 2 says. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. For the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying they laid their hands on them. And sent them off. So there was this group of people getting ready to send out some missionaries. And what were they doing when they gathered together? They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And then it said, the Holy Spirit said, in this atmosphere of worship, God does amazing things. They were worshiping and they were fasting. And then the Holy Spirit said, when we get ourselves yielded to God in worship, he shows up. In our lives. And like we talked about last week. He speaks wisdom to our heart. He gives us solutions to problems. He shows us things that we might need to change in our lives. Why? Because we're just in this attitude of worship. This attitude of magnifying him. And him only. Because he's the only one. 
worthy of our praise. Psalm 63 verse 3 says, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. Psalmist is writing here and he says this phrase, So I will bless you as long as I live. I will. In other words, I choose to. That I choose to worship God. You know, see, sometimes we come to church, we maybe had a bad week, we maybe made some mistakes, and we might say something, maybe not out loud, but in our hearts, kind of like, I don't know that I feel like worshiping today. Those are the moments where you actually need to worship. The psalmist says, I will. In other words, I choose. We don't worship because we have a certain feeling. Well, if I feel this, I'll worship. No, I choose to worship. Because it is what God has called us to do. He is worthy of my praise. And when I choose to worship, once again, then I'm putting, I'm putting out my affections toward God. I'm putting out my heart, my soul, my energy. I'm putting it out there towards God to magnify Him, to love Him. Last verse, and then we're going to sing a song together. Luke chapter 7. Verse 44. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, talking about Jesus, Do you see this woman? Talking about Mary Magdalene. I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Jesus was saying to Peter, Mary Magdalene, who was a prostitute, who had all of these big struggles in life, that she just... It, it made so much sense for her just to worship God because she was lost in so many ways without Jesus. But he's saying to Peter, you know, you maybe feel like you're not as bad as her, so you don't need to love me quite as much as she does. But you know what the reality of the story is and what the reality is of what Jesus is saying to Peter is that we're all lost without him. We're good and sophisticated and, and wonderful people, or if we've been down and out or anywhere in between, all of us need God. All of us need to give the center of our hearts, the center of our affection, our soul, that we would worship God and realize that without Him we are lost forever, and He has given us what we need because he went to the cross for us that he has given us forgiveness that he has given us righteousness so we should all worship with a passion for God because he loves us and has done so much for us let's just pray this morning God we thank you this morning for your goodness we thank you Lord for your love in our lives 
God, and we pray that you forgive us if we put anything, Lord, other than you at the center of our hearts, the center of our soul, the center of our affection. God, we just love you today. And we love you first. Lord, we are reminded of how amazing you are. How you pour out your love upon us, your forgiveness, your healing power, your grace. That you pour out your blessings upon us. That without you, Lord, we would be lost. So we just worship you and magnify you today, Lord. You are so, so good to us. Let's all stand up together today. Our team is going to lead us in one more song. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.